0: Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Canizero and Daniel Farish as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Inside the OC, the podcast dedicated entirely to the USBC Open Championships. My name is Matt Cannizzaro and looking forward to another great episode today here on Bold TV. Now I'd like to bring in my host for this afternoon, Daniel Ferris. How are you today, sir?
1: Uh, doing well, Matt. The weather here in Kentucky is uh, much better than it was on Tuesday. So uh, a little warmer out. We're enjoying it when we get outside, but we're inside today for uh, today's podcast.
0: All right. Well, today's uh, special guest about that for the first time here. Uh, On our live broadcast, at least, we'll have two guests to chat with today. Some great stories coming from a terrific family from the Cincinnati area. We've got Steve Fair and his son, Jeff Fair, and we'll bring them in right now. Gentlemen, uh, Jeff, how are things there in Cincinnati? Going well.
2: It is bright and sunny. The kids are outside playing, so things uh, things
0: are going well. All right. Steve, how are you today, sir? Can you
1: hear, Dad? Uh, Steve's video may be frozen. We're going to drop him down for just a second. Okay.
0: All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll chat with Jeff here for a minute and let uh, let Steve make his way back in. Uh, we're looking forward to this one. we got a, a, a few generations of, uh, of stories here going back to uh, even before we existed uh, on this earth, Jeff. We're, uh, we're pretty close to the same age that we pulled in college about the same time. Uh, and your dad's legacy at the OC, at least going back to 1978. So just uh, right about that time. Um, but uh, it's probably been pretty special being able to grow up uh, around a USBC Hall of Famer to USBC Hall of Famers, uh, your mom, Nancy as well. Uh, some pretty big bowling shoes to fill. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, uh, about that and, uh, and kind of what it's been like. And, and then we'll talk about what things are like uh, current days uh, with uh, everything going on in the world.
2: Yeah. Appreciate it, Matt. Uh, it, it's incredible being able to, to grow up with Steve and Nancy as my parents. Uh, they have always, they've always gone out to the national tournament and uh, whether that be the, the women's or uh, WIBC back in the ABC days. And now the USBC, I always remember them making this big trip every year. And, and when I was younger, I I didn't really understand what it was all about, but uh, as the, the years progressed and some of the, the wins and the, the coverage that they both got uh from those championships, I, I started to realize just how big this WIBC and, and ABC tournament was. And you're, you're going out each year, you get one shot, nine games to put your, your best foot forward. And, uh, they both have multiple championships, which is, is just incredible. And that's something that uh, I am striving to to get to. And uh, this will be my 24th year, I believe, this year. So I, I can't believe that it's that many. I don't feel that old. Uh, but 24 years is, uh, is a long time.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned uh, 25 being a big goal for you. Uh, right now, 24. I don't want to say it's in jeopardy, uh, but the event now pushed back to September. Um, have you guys talked about when you're going to be able to make it out there? If you have it all situated, uh, especially again now with uh, with not being able to to be out there bowling right now.
2: We did, and it, it, we were going to be originally bowling Memorial Day weekend, so it was coming up, and this would be the time that we were really gearing up with our teammates, and text messages would be fast and furious, and uh, some team practice sessions going on, but now we we have decided that we are going to bowl mid November. Uh, so November fourteenth, fifteenth, uh, which is uh, my dad's birthday, the fourteenth. Uh, so that'll be that would be awful
0: special uh, to to pop a big team event the the day of his birthday. All right. Well, before we talk about twenty twenty and beyond, um, again, you're uh, you're right now working from home. You're able to do that. Um, we'll certainly have a chance to talk a lot about your personal bowling career uh, as well as uh, kind of the direction you've gone. But uh, what are things like right now for you and the family? You mentioned the kids are outside playing, uh, so it's going to be nice to have that extra quality time perhaps. Um, but uh, how are things in, in Jeff's professional world?
2: So I appreciate you asking, and they are going well. So I'm lucky enough to uh, work for a company named, called Gartner, and uh, I, I work from home working with clients in the Air Force. So in the grand scheme of things, uh, COVID hasn't affected uh, me being able to work personally, which I'm, I'm grateful for. I know I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones, and there's so many people that, that this has affected. Uh, I, I feel for, for those, uh, but we definitely are one of the the lucky families where we've been able to kind of continue doing what we were doing. Uh, now that doesn't mean that things haven't been disrupted. The, the kids have been homeschooling for almost two months now, and they're going to finish out next week with that. So they're, they're ready for summer to officially start. My wife has is, is really, uh, picked up the the slack for everything, allowing me to, to work. And, uh, Patty has, uh, has become that teacher, along with doing the, the things that she normally does in her her day to day life, uh, with her online business that she has, and she's getting a real estate license as well. So she's been extremely busy with with everything. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, personally, uh, things are things are going very well. Our family has stayed healthy. We've been able to to stay away from the coronavirus and. Uh, we've been continuing the social distance.
0: All right. All that sounds great and uh, great to hear things are going well. And, um, you know, you guys are, are thriving a little bit. Uh, I'm sure you miss bowling a little bit. Uh, how much do you get to bowl with, uh, with the career and the family? And uh, we know you've had some, some great wins and successes over the years and uh, we'll get to some of that, but uh, generally how much do you get to bowl? How much do you miss it? And what have you been doing to, to kind of stay ready and sharp?
2: I miss it immensely right now. So I believe the last, last night that we had in, in league was the second week in March, uh, just before uh, the the bubble kind of burst, if you will. And uh, I haven't thrown a ball since. So uh, I have, have not had access to uh, a center. In fact, I was talking to Brian Himmler last night and he, he has a, a shop and a, a bowling center as well. And, uh, he was talking about oil and apparel lanes and, and us getting together for a 20-game match or something where <laughs> we're both missing it a lot. So uh, I can't wait to get back on the lanes as, as soon as we can. Uh, in regards to how much do I bowl, uh, not as much as I'd like to anymore. Uh, with, with Patty and Addy and AJ, uh, that has certainly changed things, uh, changed my perspective, so I, I ball one league a week and then try to hit as many tournaments as I can. Uh, but there's there's not too many practice sessions uh, other than uh, gearing up for maybe one of the, the larger tournaments that I'm going to hit. But it's really just that that league and uh, bowling myself into to form in some of the smaller tournaments gearing up for the, the larger ones.
0: Okay. Well, again, definitely some uh, some some excitement there generated by the the fair family over the years, and uh, some some big goals. Uh, we're still working on getting Steve back to join us. He's uh, again the USBC Hall of Famer, six time titleist on the championship lanes. That includes a Masters title back in nineteen ninety four. Uh, that you were around for uh, in a in a way that you would remember. Um, again, his first title came in nineteen seventy eight. And then uh, a few successful years there and uh, the longevity, of course, uh, him again, able to win in 2006 and seven. So uh, you, you've been a part of a lot of it. You've seen a lot of it. Uh, any special moments, anything in particular, especially from that 94 Masters win, uh, just being a, a youngster at the time and uh, getting to see that happen?
2: Yeah, so I was 13 at the time and it was I still remember Mobile, Alabama. Um and we were not there. So we were in school at the time. And uh, I I will always remember getting the call afterwards because the show was not live that year. So we it was tape delayed. And we were waiting. It was late at night, I believe. And we were waiting for him to, to call us. My, my mom and, and sister and I were, were sitting there on pins and needles waiting for that call to see how he did. And uh, I'll never forget my mom put the phone on speaker and he said, would it be okay if I didn't win? And, and we we all said, you know, (laughs) yeah, dad, we're going to, we're going to love you no matter what happened. And he said, well, you don't have to worry about it because I did. (laughs) And uh, we were screaming and and jumping around. It was, it was incredible. I can, I I wish we were able to be there, but man, I will never forget that, that phone call uh, in 1994.
0: That's awesome. He Who there, knew Steve was such a jokester? How about that? Yeah, yeah. He,
2: he is, uh, he's not known to be a big jokester, but wow, he, he got us there. So that was, uh, that is very memorable.
0: All right. Well, speaking of memorable, uh, again, the uh, the success he's had with his six wins uh, and going back to 06 and 07. And your uh, OC career started shortly after that Masters win. Uh, again, as you mentioned, this will be year number 24 coming up. Um, but what a, what a phenomenal group of players you guys surround yourselves with, not just his winning team, those two years, but, uh, but your group and your teams over the years, some, some interchangeable parts and just some players moving around and, and doing some things, um, and some great success for you and your teammates as well. But uh, I guess first, uh, just talk about the group and some of the players and, and then how it worked out. Uh, I know I'm sure PBA cards and titles and things had to do with uh, how those teams were made up, Um uh, but uh, just just tell us about the, the Cincinnati crew and uh, some of the success and memories.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I bowled on tour in 02 to 04. And uh, that's right around the time uh, when my dad got in with the the last group of the two, two championship uh, title run in, in 06 and 07 with uh, – with Ken Abner and Ken Jesse, John Murph, George Gohagan, I I want to say that they got together in in uh, the early two thousands, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, man, it, it was incredible the the two year run that they had in in oh six and 07. And I was I was on the the cross team both of those years, and it, that made it so special. Uh, seeing them take the lead in team event in 06 and then eventually winning and coming back the, the next year, I believe it was Corpus Christi in 07. And they had a, a solid team event to defend. Um, I don't I don't know where they they maybe ended top 10 or 20. And then they just poured it on in singles I I believe Ken Jesse had 790 that year uh, and I can't remember how much they took the lead by uh, but that was that 07 uh, back-to-back years to to win an eagle was it was just incredible to have a front row seat and and witness uh, those wins Um, so yeah it's that contingent was was fun to watch
0: Okay, and uh, for those just tuning in, we're, uh, we're jumping around a little bit here with the Jeff Fair. Uh, we're trying to get situated with uh, with his dad, Steve Fair, to get him on to, to talk about a, a great career as well. Uh, right now, we just touched base on uh, the back-to-back wins, the, the last two wins for Steve and his teammates. 2006 was a regular team title uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas. I believe the score was 34-96, and uh, I remember uh, kind of seeing that unfold and uh, what a number that was for sure. And they came back the next year, as Jeff described. Uh, they made a run at team event again. And no team in tournament history has won back-to-back team titles. Uh, they had the lead and, and were able to stay composed. Uh, and that's something I hope to, to hear from Steve about and, and maybe his role in keeping everybody focused uh, to come back the next day and, uh, and make a run at 10,000 for team all events. Did not hold on for the team title. Ended up finishing third. Uh, but team all events... Uh, that's the big one. That's 45 games, uh, all the all events totals for the five guys added together. Uh, that's uh, pretty impressive. 10,000 any year is pretty special. Uh, but to come off of a win and follow it up with another victory, uh, as Jeff described, being on the companion team. Uh, now, I know, uh, I imagine growing up, uh, it's, it's a dream for you to have the opportunity to, to not only bowl with your dad, uh, but to win with him uh, at some point. But it uh, sounds like uh, the whole group, the whole team, a big family, Um, and maybe a little disappointment not being able to be on the team, but uh, being part of the companion team and being able to contribute and help and and communicate uh, probably was extremely special as well.
2: It it was, Matt, and uh, just being in that atmosphere, and we really did go look at it like it's it's 10 guys uh, helping each other out, and in, in singles and doubles, there's six of us, uh, so that's the, that's the way we look at it. And, and I did get to bowl doubles with my dad, uh, in that, that team all events year. So, uh, Ken bowled with, uh, John Murph and Ken Jesse bowl with George Gohagen, and I bowl with my dad. And, uh, there were some, those were special years to get to compete with him. And we had a, a couple of solid doubles performances, um, so those those are special memories that I will, will never forget. Um, I, I still remember in in Reno, I can't remember which Reno year it was, but um, my dad, since I started uh, competing, he's always wanted me to be able to win a, a title as well and, and join him and my mom and uh, remember the conversation of him coming to the group and saying, "Guys, listen, I'm I'm getting up there in age. Uh, I want you guys to have the the best group uh, and and be able to put your best foot forward uh, and have five great bowlers in their primes to be able to uh, to take you to the next level. And uh, for him to to step down when he still had some good years left in him, but he knew that there were uh, some other younger. Pieces that we could put together uh, to to keep the the group uh, moving forward and have runs at titles. Um, that was it was bittersweet, uh, but I just knowing that he wants the best for for us. Um, it, it was incredible for him to to step down, knowing that he still had some good years left in him, and he's he's still competing at a at a very high level at at sixty five.
0: Uh, personally um, you've had some some close calls at the oc over the years Uh, traditionally your group your team uh, top 75 top 100 team easy Uh, and for you individually uh, pretty similar Uh, you guys got close in doubles in 2013 you and ken abner uh, he'd been there of course before and he's a a solid tour player as well Um, and i think that was uh, that was the closest Uh, talk about that year and, and that performance and Um, to to see it and feel it have it within reach Um, and then just to come up a little bit short a 26 pins short uh, I think was the number Um, yeah I'm not yeah I believe Uh, and looking back it was actually 2012 in Baton Rouge so it was Matt McNeil and Chuck Vashaw who won that event 1489 you guys had 1462
2: yeah I remember I remember that vividly as well uh we had a a real chance to, to take the lead. And I, I remember following that year, I believe that was the last year, uh, that it wasn't fresh oil for every event. And we followed Glenn Allison and his group and, uh, we, we got to watch them compete. And then we, we hit the lanes right after that. And we got out to a, a really strong start. And, uh, with, with three frames left, we still had uh, wood left to get around matt and chuck and uh i i did end up striking out for 280 i think i had 750s and uh ken left a, a couple of two pins uh on the the left lane in the the eighth and tenth frames uh, but we definitely had a a, a real pop at, at taking the lead and that was i still have that watch on display that we got for third place in the in the trophy case uh, and we we look forward to, to getting that that title, hopefully, uh, maybe this year. So kind and I are still bowling together.
0: Oh, well, now Aaron Smith has, uh, has chimed in from, uh, from the home office and said that he actually was on that doubles and single squad in 2012. Uh, he also was uh, part of one of Jeff Riggle's runs at the national bowling stadium. Uh, so I think that the goal is to find out when Aaron Smith is bowling and, uh, get on that squad. And, uh, at least they will give you a shot at, uh, at a watch or if not an Eagle.
2: Uh, You know what? I love talking to Aaron after we get done with, (laughs) after we get done with bowling. So that's, that's always a a good thing when you, uh, when you get to talk with Aaron and you get your, your picture taken, but uh, yeah, we've had a couple of other solid finishes. I know when the the scores were pretty high in Reno, uh, we had a top 10 in team and we, we shot 3,500 and we bowled the, I think it's the third highest game in, in open championships history. Um, and then we had another top ten in team all events with uh, the year that we had. It was Ken and I and uh, Rob Gotchel, Bill O'Neill, and Derek Ove. So we had a, a pretty. I've been I've been uh, very fortunate to uh, get to compete with some uh, unbelievable competitors throughout the years.
0: Now you guys again uh, solid group, and, and you know uh, Ron Pollard and, and Rick Pollard and those guys involved as well. Uh, Mark Massey, somebody we've talked to, he's had 300 at the Open Championships, and uh, the list, the list really goes on and on. Uh, so it's uh, it's just pretty phenomenal. But uh, what is it going to take? Uh, you guys obviously have the experience and the talent, and um, how do you get those pieces just to, to fall into place for you one one time?
2: Yeah, you know, I we've had my team personally. We've had a lot of interchangeable pieces over the last few years, and uh, I know that. Uh, the, the successful most of the successful teams uh, throughout the years have bowled together either locally or at nationals for for several years before they they finally break through so certainly uh, it don't want to be changing out those pieces as much as we we have uh, but we're, we're trying to make sure that we we have the right group of people uh, in place and I, hopefully we've we've solved that uh, solve that puzzle this year. Uh, as we're bringing RJ Pollard back, he was on that that team that was uh, at the top 10 team in Reno. And uh, Bill O'Neill is back with us this year. And then we picked up Charles Easton, a great young bowler out of Toledo. So um, we, we hope that this nucleus of the team uh, is together for uh, many years. Uh, Ken always talks about how he's going to retire when he's 50 years old so they we have five we have five years left with Ken before he uh, before he comes up on his supposed retirement but I think that's all talk as long as we're competitive we're gonna keep it going.
0: An accomplished player yourself certainly uh, some big wins in your career. Uh, we mentioned that you bowled collegiately uh, at Cincinnati you bowled on the PBA tour briefly, had some regional success. Uh, a couple big wins as well. Uh, such as the, the Bradley Open. That's a big one. Daniel, very familiar with that event uh, in the, the Kentucky, Ohio area there. So you guys probably have bowled against each other quite a bit over the years. And I think uh, some, some special success for you came at uh, Western Bowl there in Cincinnati, longtime home of the Hoinky events. I uh, picked up a couple wins there. That's where uh, your dad's pro shop has been uh, for mm-hmm. decades now, going back to 86, I believe was the opening year. Um, the Fair Calhoun Bowlers Corral. Um, talk about that. Just, uh, just a huge event that took place there. I imagine you spent a lot of time in that shop helping out and doing some things and at that bowling center, but uh, to, to find success in front of the hometown crowd and, and on that stage had to be pretty special for you. A nice stepping stone as you work toward the next goals.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly was. And uh, my dad opened the this, this shop with Jack Calhoun in 86, right after he, he got off of tour. So, uh, he had the, the cartilage and ligament damage to his, his wrist, which forced him to, uh, retire early from the tour. And I, my, my mom and dad always talk about the, the plan was a five-year plan anyway, because he, he went out in 1981 and, uh, they, they wanted to stop touring in, in 86 when I, uh, became a kindergartner. Uh, I, I don't know if that uh, that plan would have came to fruition because he was he was bowling awful well when he did uh, have the the wrist injury, but uh, it, it worked out really well that that he was op- able to open up the shop and uh, it it has been a, a very successful uh, bowling pro shop for going on 35 years now, and uh, I, I will always remember being able to. Uh, get off of school. My grandpa picking me up and and bringing my sister and I down to the the bowling center, and we would be able to, to practice. And that's where Dad was working. And uh, it, it's certainly special times. And we we definitely grew up in, in that setting. Um, as far as the the wins go, I, I have been very fortunate to to win several of the the regular honky titles. Um, I, I did win the the Hoinky Scratch Classic. It was called. That was uh, the year after the the Super Hoinky kind of disbanded. Um, that was in oh 0- oh eight or 09, I believe. Um, but that was that was a great thrill to be able to win in front of the the hometown. I remember uh, bowling John Nolan, former Masters champion, in the in the title match. Um, I think he actually stayed stayed at the house that week as well. So, um, that was a, a special time, uh, to be able to, to take that down, but man, reliving all of this, the stories that I got to, to witness, uh, in that super classic, just to be able to, to see all of the greats, uh, it take titles. Uh, you had Mike Newman winning and, and Rudy Casamacus winning and, and Mika, um, Roberto Silva. there were so many people that went on to uh to bowl uh professionally that that won that tournament and then you have the all of the the high stakes matches the action bowling at night uh it was just it was an incredible time to to grow up to be able to to watch uh watch that action and uh help me learn the way people compose themselves and and uh, carried themselves during uh, crucial moments and and I'll never remember I'll never forget uh, my dad winning in in 2000 mm-hmm. the Super key so uh, he was bowling Tommy Humphreys from New York and uh, he needed a double in a tenth and they were both just Green Bay Packers uh, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable we were sitting in the stands and we <laughs> we just jumped up and Gave him a huge hug when he got that second one. It was it was an incredible moment again that we got to witness.
0: Now, with that said, um, you know you have the you have the lineage of course, uh, mom and dad, Hall of Famers, uh, your sister Stacy Bowles as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just to live through some of those moments and the stories. And you know, many of us have only heard the tales of Western Bowl and and the other mega buck events, um, but uh, you've chosen a different path uh, in your career when. Um, it, it could have been, it could have been bowling and certainly that would have motivated, uh, many folks, uh, talk about that decision and, uh, and, and just taking a different path when, uh, when bowling could have been it for you as well. Yeah. Um,
2: so I, I did, uh, when I, after I, I actually took a break from college and, uh, got my card in 2002 and uh bowled the tour for for 2 years from 02 the 0203 season and 0304 season and uh at the end of the 0304 season that's when they went to the exempt tour and uh I did bowl tour trials to to try to get back out there the the uh, before the following year and and didn't make it and uh, I just I thought I was ready but I just wasn't uh those guys out there are so good. They have so much experience. And I was, I was 21, 22 and I was, I was pretty good at the time, but I just, I wasn't ready. Um, and it, it's turned out to be uh, a blessing in disguise because I I was able to come back and, and work with my dad for a year. And then uh, Ken Abner, who we've, we've talked about already, uh, he got, he got me into uh, a job interview with, with Sprint, and that started my, my corporate career uh, in sales. And I, I've done very well uh, in that, and uh, I've been able to provide for the family. So it was really – that's what I had all intentions of doing is, is bowling for a living, but it really is a, a hard way to make an easy living, as they say. Huh. And uh, th- those guys, week in and week out, are, are so good. Um, you just—it's—it's it's hard to imagine unless you get to to compete against them week in and week out, which I was fortunate enough to do for a couple of years. But um, I miss the guys, I miss the camaraderie. Uh, but I'm—I'm um, happy doing my my day job and being able to moonlight on the weekends and uh, be able to have a little bit of uh, fun on the weekends, a little bit of supplemental income sure. throughout the years that way. So it's—it's it's all worked out.
1: You know, Jeff, I'll tell you, when I first came out of college back in 2009, I thought there was a clear divide between you know guys who were on tour and guys who weren't. I thought it was a clear divide between the amateur players who don't go out there and the guys who were out there full time. And then I started bowling some stuff in our region, uh, and I met guys like you, Dan Higgins, Brandon Novak, and I learned pretty quickly – that there were guys like me who were amateurs who were pretty good. And then there were guys like you who were a step above that weren't out on tour full time. Not that you couldn't be, but just you, you chose not to take that path, but you were better than the weekend warriors, guys like myself or some of the people here in the city of Louisville and uh, bowling against you guys at at places like the hoinky or up at Western anything up in the Ohio area, Kentucky opens, the Bradley open, which you've won, as we talked about, you know, bowling against you guys has shown me that I needed to get better if I wanted to compete at just this level.
2: Yeah, it, I agree with you a hundred percent, Daniel. And, uh, I appreciate you, you lumping me in with the Dan Higgins and, and Brandon Novak. The, those guys are incredible talents. Um, there definitely is a, a, a clear, a clear divide and there, there still is a, a clear divide. Um, Bowling on on tour those two years, even though I wasn't ready to compete at that level, I learned so much that I, I wouldn't change it. Even even though it wasn't a successful period in time for me, mm-hmm. it it was successful in the fact that it uh, it taught me so many things to be able to prepare me for uh, the future things that I was going to embark on. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that you learn a lot more in the defeats than you do in the wins uh-huh. and uh there were a lot of defeats during, that, <laughs> during those <laughs> two years uh, the, those experiences uh you've taken and and learned from them and and that's what uh, allowed me to compete at a higher level in those those larger um regional and, and really national type amateur tournaments that are just a, a step below that uh full-time pba tour
1: well, and I want to ask a question about your two years on tour, and I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm going to give you some time to think about this answer. The question is, you said that despite the fact it wasn't as successful as you might have liked it to be, you still learned a lot. I was going to ask you you know, what you learned out there. I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that, but it's interesting that you give the two-year number that you were out there because when we were uh, broadcasting the U.S. Open – Uh, from Sun Valley Lanes in Nebraska back in February, a lot of guys that I had in the booth, whether it was Matt Ogle, uh, Stu Williams, Osku, uh, I had a couple conversations with Sean Rash outside the booth, and we kind of talked about uh, guys that are new on tour. Matt himself has only been out there just under two years now, full time, and a lot of the guys told me, you can't go out on tour for six months, or bowl one World Series, or bowl one stretch of majors in a month and a half, and decide based on how those outcomes are if you're you can make it on tour or not the number all those guys gave me was you really got to plan 18 to 24 months of traveling of expenses of your life to see if you can make it out there or not so the fact that they told me that in 2020 and you're telling me that you gave it a shot you know 15 years ago over 15 years ago for two years that number is still uh you know the the bar so in those two years what did you learn that helped you uh, become a better player? At, at this level.
2: Yeah. And it, it's absolutely still relevant. I, I agree hundred percent with those guys. And I probably would have continued to bowl had um, the tour not gone to the e- e- exempt format. Uh, but the, the two biggest things that really elevated in my games were the mental aspect and then the versatility aspect, uh, the guys that are at the, the top of the list year in and year out can play anywhere on the lane. They can, they can play outside of five. Uh, they can play sixth arrow. When I went on tour, I was more of a power player at the time. I, I wasn't a Robert Smith, but uh, it definitely was uh, on the, the higher end. And uh, I really needed to uh, work on that straighter game. And, and that's what's, uh, that's what really raised the bar for me after I came back is uh, continuing to work on that. And and that's what's allowed me to be more successful since those tour days Uh is being able to, to work on that, that straighter game while, while still incorporating the power into it. And I I think that's now my A game. So I I like being able (laughs) to play a little bit straighter now I'm almost 40. So I'm getting to that point where uh, that, that angle that entry angle from uh, a little bit further right is is uh, more conducive to, to higher scores than being able to play fourth, fifth arrow.
1: How much, you know, you said you, when you were younger, you were a power player. Now that you're a little bit older, uh, as we all are from 15 years ago, you mm-hmm. play the lanes a little straighter. How much of your father's game did you take and put into your game or how much, you know, did your, did Steve kind of coach you or, or help you? How much of his game did he incorporate into yours? Or are you two completely different players?
2: Yeah. Well, because of the the injuries that he had um, the, the Steve fair that I remember was always more of a a straighter finesse player. Um, And and I was more of a, a power player. Now, when, when he was before the injuries, uh, he turned it up pretty good at, at the time. Um, now the, the the technology was a little bit different, so comparing the watching the old shows when they were throwing plastic or urethane, the uh, the back end movement <laughs> wasn't like it was wasn't like it is today. Um, but it, it was more the the mental aspect as and really how he carried himself. That's the the biggest thing. Um, my parents. Have always told me, you know, let your let your ball do the talking. Uh, carry yourself well. Be classy, and that's something that that I've always uh, taken to heart. Uh, try to be a, a, as good of a person as you can. Um, I, I like to think that that I am a, a, a good person, and uh, my parents are just incredible people, and I've had such great role models um, where they they're doing the right things. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've been able to take for my mom and my, my dad is they're just, they're in, incredible people and in that, how you, how you carry yourself and that, that mental aspect that just got, got put on steroids for getting, <laughs> getting your brains beat in for a couple of years out on the, out on the tour.
1: <laughs> well, for, for our viewers out there who may not be familiar with Steve, I'm going to throw up with the, uh, his winning shot from the 1994 USBC Masters needed just eight pins in the tenth. He was on a double. Uh, opponent had shot two hundred seven. He was maxed out at two hundred forty-four, and all he needed was eight. And that's about as straight as you get.
2: Yep. Well, he was throwing ropes. I know the lanes were that week. The lanes were extremely difficult. Uh, I, I I don't think he averaged two ten for the week. It it might have been right at two ten. Uh, the scoring pace was was really low, and and that's the way, uh, that's the way he prefers it. Uh, he's a he's a shot maker. His mental game is in- incredible, and uh, that's that's the way that I grew up as well. I, I would much rather bowl on very diff- difficult conditions than uh, than on the the shootouts. So, um, that's that's definitely something that that I've taken from him. And man, that's I've seen this show. Probably a hundred times. And uh, it's it's incredible watching watching that win and uh, the
1: the joy that it brings. Now, by contrast, if you'll give me a hot second, we're going to pull up a little bit of you. (laughs) Oh, boy. So the viewers at home can see. All right. From the 2015 USBC Open Championships.
2: I hope this was later in the set. The, the start wasn't very good.
1: <laughs> this, this is a good shot. I wouldn't pull up anything back. All
2: right. All right. All right. <laughs> Making me look good.
1: Yeah. You're a little bit further in than dad, hooking it a little bit more.
2: Yep. Yep. And uh, I'm a little bit straighter now. And that was, that was, that was post tour. So uh, mm-hmm. I had, I had gotten that, that straighter game in there. Uh, here's, here's the great Ken Abner.
1: You know, and and bowling with guys like that from around your area, I know that that um, the guys here in Louisville that I've I've grown up with have really pushed me to become a better player. Um, was it the same for you bowling around guys like Ken Abner and everyone from that the great state of Ohio?
2: Yeah, uh, we have such a, a hotbed of of great bowlers. Um, you've got the Don Scudders of the world and the the Pollards. Um, and my parents and the, the rich history of Cincinnati bowling is just incredible. And, uh, everyone's always there to, to help. If you, you want it, all you have to do is ask. Sometimes you get some feedback that you didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the bowling community community is tight knit, uh, similar to, to Louisville. And, uh, it's, it's just been incredible. Um, how much people are willing to give, and I I try to do this the same as well.
0: Now, Jeff, you mentioned you know you enjoy the, the challenging conditions and having to make the shots. And uh, for your 23 years at the Open Championships, uh, you're averaging just under 210. Uh, so you're just shy of being on the top 50 on the lifetime average list for bowlers with 20 years or more. Uh, and this event goes back to 1901. That's a pretty phenomenal. Uh, a number and an accomplishment to be just outside that. Um, Talk about your career at the OC and and of course, different conditions every year, sometimes uh, a little bit higher scoring, sometimes like the, what we just saw in, uh, in El Paso, a little bit more challenging, Uh, but uh, almost 210 for 23 years. Uh, That's a ton of games and uh, even just mentally a a challenge as well. Yeah,
2: it it is. And that's, every year so that's that's my major now so the the open championships is the the one uh, tournament every year that I am gearing up for and, and there are practice sessions that happen before that there's strategy sessions that happen you know I take out six bowling balls every year so you got your spare ball and five others so you're trying to, to pick which five you're taking and that's that's very important but uh yeah the the 210 that's definitely something that I've been striving to to get above that mark uh i think i'm still behind my dad uh, i believe he's still at 213 or so in the lanes when back in the the 70s when he first started they were a little more difficult than uh, than they were for, for several years in the, in the nineties. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, the, the first five years that I bowled, I, if you look at that, that sheet, they, they weren't too good. Uh, so there were, there were definitely some, some learning curves to, to happen there. And that was when I was still young and, and pretty raw. I, I started bowling when I was 15. So, uh, in, in high school, getting to take a few days off of school to, to go out and, and compete, uh, but they they weren't great years, those first few. And again, it just it takes time when you're when you're bowling on uh, more difficult patterns that you're you're going to see at the the Open Championships. Um, but once you once you get there and you're able to, to learn a little bit more from the uh, the people that you're going with and and see the transitions that happen on the lanes, um, they're not the same, but you see. Similar things that happen, you can draw on those past, uh, what's happened in the past, and re- reflect upon that, and, and bring those things forward to make yourself more successful. So yeah, that's uh, two ten is is that uh, that next hurdle that I'm trying to get over.
1: Well, you are at uh, you're at two o nine point eight, and your dad is actually at two o eight point seven.
2: I oh, did he he dropped below me. He had a, he had a couple of tough years in there, so I I finally. Uh, I finally got past him but he's he has a few more games in from some from some lean years where they were really difficult. Uh,
1: well, and and anyone that's watched this podcast knows that when it comes to numbers and accomplishments and accolades, Matt is the eternal optimist. He talks about all the good and I'm the one that kind of brings it back down. Uh, on that note, you mentioned your first 5 years, you know, your first 5 years you didn't shoot over 1756. That was your highest set. Yeah. Since those five years, your lowest set has been 1856. So obviously some maturity, uh, you know, cultivating your skills, getting better. But like you said, you were 15 the first year out. What was it like at your first Open Championships mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City in 96 at 15 years old, going going to bowl in a convention center style setting like that?
2: It is shocking. I think that was the first time I had ever been in a convention center setting. Uh, i I hadn't ever witnessed that uh uh-huh. live in person and you've seen it on t v but it's just it's so different the ceilings are are so high the the bowling lane is is still sixty feet um you still have ten pins that you're trying to knock over but the atmosphere is just completely different and i I think I bowled okay in in team event that first year I might have shot five fifty or five sixty. Uh, and I was nervous. I picked up with uh, uh, a guy locally named Len Gray. Um, he's I think he's 86 or 87 now, and he's still bowling uh-huh. uh, competitively. Uh, he, he's an incredible man. But I, I bowled with Pat Alexander from Fort Wayne, who has many accolades. And I think uh, Dennis Lane was on that team, uh, a, a pro from the Tennessee area. Um, and I, I can't remember. Um, I, I can't remember the fifth, but it was a, I, I got, the, I got the opportunity to bowl with a, a solid group of guys at the time. Um, but man, it's just that first time in that convention center setting is just incredible.
0: Well, now going in, of course, you have the, the fair name. Uh, so already I imagine some, some pressure you've seen the Eagles at home. Uh, your mom's a champion at the women's championships as well. Um, so, did that add any pressure for you, knowing that, that you're you're kind of starting the, the next step, the next part of this family legacy? And um, didn't Dad prepare you, or, or can you be prepared for the <laughs> Open Championships? Um, you know, you can hear about it, I think, quite a bit, but that, that first march down center aisle, there's really nothing like it, no matter how many people told you all about it.
2: Yeah, I would agree 100 percent with that. I mean, you, your parents try to prepare you as as much as you can, but uh, I still, to this day get butterflies walking down that center aisle every year Uh, and I I hope that that never goes away because it's it's not nervousness anymore it's it's just those good butterflies that are that are in your stomach Um, and and there's there's good things that are going to happen so I I think once you once you lose those butterflies um, that may be time to to hang it up because Um, maybe you're, you're just not enjoying it anymore, but I'm still definitely enjoying it. And, uh, those are, are good butterflies that are, that are still happening.
0: Now, When you do return to the OC each year, what is it that you most look forward to? What brings you back? Uh, is it the camaraderie? Is it the, 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 Eagle chase? Um, is it just the experience, the venue?
2: It's, it's a little bit of everything. So I, we do always try to, to hit some new local places when we're there. So being able to, to visit um, new places that are in the, the cities that we go to, um, even though it, it, we've had several years in, in Reno and Vegas, there's a lot of places in, in Reno and Vegas to, um, to go to and to, uh, to experience. Um, I, I always look forward to seeing the, the people at the Open Championships, so the the employees that are there year in and year out, you get to you get to know those people, and uh, they get to know you, and you you recognize them, and, um, and not just not just you all uh, in in the media, but the the volunteers uh, out on out on the lanes as well that that do it year in and year out. Uh, it, it makes it special, um, and then the camaraderie. Uh, so. I don't get to see Bill O'Neill uh, very often anymore. He's he's out doing his thing as uh, one of the top few bowlers in the world. Uh, so getting to spend a few days with with guys like him and, and Charles Easton, even though we're we're four hours away, I don't get to see him that often. Um, luckily, I do get to see Ken and and RJ uh, a, a fair amount, but uh, we still don't get to compete with each other. Uh, but maybe a, a handful of times every year in, in the tournament setting, so uh, maybe five to ten times a year. So um, it's it's just it's always a special experience going out and trying to do put your best foot forward for those nine games because you, you just get one shot. There's no reentries. Um, you you try to take as much information as you can uh, gather from the people that have gone. Uh, maybe you all are posting a, a few snippets of people taking the lead and you're trying to see where those people are playing, maybe get a, a read on what bowling balls they were using. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a, a special time every year and uh, is something that I've been teaching my kids because they're, they're both bowling as well after school. Right. So uh, telling them how important it is and going back and looking at the Eagles that uh, my mom and dad have. Um, uh, I think my mom has three WIBC titles, so uh, it, it's certainly some incredible history.
0: Now, you, you've seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, of course. Some close calls for you personally. Um, do you have a favorite moment from your open championships career, or even and uh, same similar question? How uh, do you have a favorite host city?
2: I'll hit the host city first. Um, I know that. There has been—it's um, not always positive talk about Reno—but I really love bowling at the stadium. And once you get to Reno, uh, everything's right there for you. So all the hotels are there. You have as much food as you want there. Uh, there's gambling if you like that. You can walk right across the street for the the bowling. Uh, I just—I think it's a—it's a great setting, and I always do enjoy going to to reno um and we have had some some really good moments there as well um as far as a the most special moment i would say it's it's watching uh my dad's teams win those back-to-back years um for me personally competing it goes back to the the third place in uh and doubles with with ken was the the highlight there being able to to see see my name on the, the leaderboard, um, that's a, a special moment. We still have that picture hanging up in my my dad's pro shop. Uh, so never never forget that. That's, that's my best OC moment, hopefully to be uh, subsumed this year or next uh, with the title.
1: So c- correct me if I'm wrong, I'm doing my math here. Uh, you weren't alive for Steve's 78 or 80 uh, Eagles, and in 82, you were just a baby. So we talked about the 94 Masters title. But in 2002, a record was set at the OC that still stands. And that was the most 300 games ever bowled at the event with 64. And your dad had a chance to get the 65th, what would have been the 65th one. And I would have asked him about this, but he's not here. I'm going to ask you. um, Here's a photo of you guys after your dad had 298. So in the highest scoring or most honor scores in an OC event ever in Billings. How did he manage to get eight on the field ball? Do you remember?
2: I remember it vividly, and uh, I'm sure that he remembers it too. Uh, he left an 8-10. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, no. <laughs> so, thanks a lot for, for bringing that up. Uh, he, he definitely – he hit the pocket, uh, but it, it was uh, not going through the pins the right way on that shot. So, yeah, oh. he, he he ate ten, but uh, th- that was a uh, that was a certainly a fun time. I think that was my highest all events that year, uh, maybe with twenty fifty or so. That was
0: Billings,
1: right? Oh, yes, yeah. that was Billings.
0: Yeah. Well Now, last last show we had on Mike Nape, who uh, who's like the fry daddy. I could imagine what yeah. uh, what his reaction would have been on, yeah, he, uh, on that final shot for sure.
2: You know, I'm I'm sure that the, there were some bad words going through his head, but he is. <laughs> He's one that uh, those words don't normally come out of his mouth. Uh, so I'm sure maybe behind closed doors, he might've had a few choice words for, for eight ten. then. But uh, yeah, it, uh, that's, that's a moment that I'll, I'll never forget as well. So yeah, vi- vividly remember that one.
0: Well, now speaking of some kind words, we'll take a look at our chat here real quick. Adam Barta checked in earlier uh, and said that uh, you guys are an awesome family. And uh, nothing but class, as you just described, of course, your dad's behavior in that moment that we can look back on and laugh right now. Uh, And while we're scrolling through the chat as well, a question from Collier. Uh, We just talked about your your favorite OC memories, uh, but you mentioned earlier being kind of a weekend warrior and uh, getting out there every once in a while. Uh, Do you have a a coolest win or memory uh, in bowling in general?
2: Yeah, you know that the bradley that you had mentioned daniel uh that was a, a really special win i had been bowling that tournament since i was 15 as well so i had uh you know 12 years under my belt at, at that uh tournament and they're they're so difficult every year and the lanes were so slick and i i missed East, i missed eastland lanes i do too uh, I, I, I so miss it's just it's not the this the same for me because that that surface was so tight and you just you knew that when you go down there, if you averaged two hundred five, it was going to be a really good year. You and were making uh,
1: money easily. You were yeah, making you money. You were making money.
2: And, and I had a I had a run where I, I made the top eight, I think four years in a row. And uh, the the year that I I finally, uh, finally took the title, I bowled Mark in the mm-hmm. top four, I believe. And uh, his his Hall of Fame speech in the uh, City Hall of Fame, he he brought up a memory from that uh, from that match. He it was late in the match, and I was best two out of three, and I had won the first game, and uh, it was close in the second game, and he five seven ten late, and that, that allowed me to, to cruise in in the the uh, the title match. I bowled against Brian Walacek, an open open champion, and. Uh, the we were tied one one, and the the last game, I struck out in the tenth for two fifty seven, and uh, he had two fifty six out. So I, I shut him out by a pin. So I will always remember that throwing. I think I threw the last six or seven. Uh, that was that was really special. And then we'll never forget the run that I made in the two thousand one Super Bowl high roller uh, when I was i was 19 or 20 at the time and uh finished second to jason williams and uh never will never forget being able to bowl for a hundred thousand dollars that was a an incredible experience and uh i shot 229 and came up seven pins short so uh he had the he had the mark in the 10th and he left a two pin and and converted it. So um, that was one that y- you'll never forget. And it was definitely the biggest uh, monetary win uh, that I, that I took down for the, but that was the second place finish. So, well, I, I will, uh,
1: I will certainly echo your sentiments about uh, all of us who bowled the Bradley uh, miss Eastland and uh, no offense to the Carter family at Ken Bowl yep. here in Louisville. They do a great job hosting the event, but Eastland, that lane surface just made that, that oil pattern that Jason Nutchwall puts out, uh, ten times tougher than what it probably should have been, yep. and uh, I will tell you, you you won in two thousand nine. That was the last year that I did not bowl the event. I've bowled the event every year since twenty ten. So maybe I should take a year off and and put you back in the winter <laughs> circle.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't I don't know these. Uh, the, a lot of the the tour guys are are coming to the event now, and uh, I, I think my my window is, is closing to, to win that one. So um, it, it's definitely the field has uh, not that it wasn't strong in the past, but it it is definitely elevated these past couple of years with the, uh, with the event coinciding with some of the, the tour stops and uh, which is, it's good for the, the tournament, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a, a special win and still have that, that trophy prominently displayed in the, in the bar area.
1: I don't, I don't blame you one bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, Jeff, we're going to get ready to, to wrap things up here. It's certainly been uh, great hearing some stories, but before we go, uh, we'll see if anybody has any final questions in the chat. Uh, Daniel, any final questions or thoughts uh, for today? Of course, we're, we're sorry. We're disappointed. Uh, we didn't get a chance to chat with Steve. Uh, but, uh, that's the uh, technology for you.
2: Yeah. I wish I could have, if the social distancing wasn't in place, I would have been sitting right next to him and it would have been a, a heck of a lot easier. Um, so I, I tried to be it support for him and, and couldn't, couldn't get it going. So maybe we will, uh, get him back on with you guys soon uh, when I can help them. And, uh, I think he would be a, a great interview for you all, uh, to talk about his past experiences. Cause he certainly has a heck of a lot more to talk about in regards to the OC than I do.
0: Well, certainly to recap some of his uh, success over the years, uh, we mentioned 1978 Classic Doubles, 1980 regular All-Events, uh, and that earned him a chance to represent Team USA. Uh, internationally, they went to, uh, to Canada for what now is the Pan Am Bowling Adult Championships, picked up a couple gold medals there, silver medal as well. That had to be incredibly special. Uh, and then uh, Jeff Fair came along, uh, and then that was followed by uh, 1982 a regular team title, then the Masters title, we saw that just a few minutes ago. Uh, and then back-to-back wins in 06 and 07. And now it's a trivia question. Uh, when people ask uh, the most time between first and most recent titles, uh, first man to come to mind is Steve Fair, 1978 and 2007. And a couple other guys in, in the window there, but uh, that's phenomenal. And still got it, too. Uh, he did miss a couple of years, I believe, here recently. Um, and we were going to ask him about that, but uh, came back in 2019. And had a solid performance, um, uh, in, in the team event especially. Um, he still got it, Jeff. You get to see him often. Um, you know, are, are we going to see some uh, some more runs out of out of Steven Company?
2: I, I hope so. So he he did get he took a couple of years off, uh, and he got asked by Mark Massey and, uh, and his group, um, Pat Dombrowski, Rick McCormick, and and Eric Abner, Ken's son. Um, so when they asked he said well absolutely I, I i've got a good group of guys to go out with and and i think he he gave them 630 last year um and they they made a run i i think they finished top 10 um and he had a he had a tough last game i think he bowled 180 and he was not happy <laughs> after that got done so the 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 fire is still there and uh, I, I believe that you will see a, a couple of more highlights out of him be, before all is said and done. He's, he's going to be 66 in November. Uh, and so maybe on his 66th birthday, you'll see something special out of him this year.
0: Hopefully. Right, well there, there's a lot he's accomplished in his career in uh, 1993. Uh, he was, the, at the time, the youngest player inducted into the USBC Hall of Fame. Uh, he won the Masters after being inducted, which, is, uh, which was the first time that's ever happened. And then when your mom was put into the USBC Hall of Fame in 2006, only the third husband and wife duo to go in there. Um, and he just keeps adding to it. Uh, and you mentioned being 66 right around the corner. Um, and now I think uh, the next thing is perhaps to, uh, to add a double title, uh, father and son. How does that sound <laughs> to you?
2: That would be awesome. Uh, I, I am bowling with Ken. Uh, so I don't think that that's, that's in the cards for right now. Um but uh that would be incredible and that's something that we talked about every year. I got to bowl with him, bowl doubles with him for a, a few years uh before we shook things up. Uh, but it, it was always special and that's something that we always talked about is I'd I'd love to get that first title with with him in doubles and get him a uh a fifth, sixth, seventh, whenever it was at the time. <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah, that's, we, we've, we've won doubles in city tournament before. So that was uh, certainly special. So we've, we've had that moment just on a little bit smaller stage and, uh, it, it really is when you can do it with family. Um, uh, it, it's just incredible.
0: Now, you guys are close knit. Of course, uh, I'll live in the, the general vicinity. There spend a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, at the shop at Western bowl at uh, just spending time together, um, these last few weeks uh, having to be separated. Um, how has that been? And, and, and have you guys kept in touch? Have there been long distance visits, drive-bys? Uh, what have you done to, to keep that family closeness going? Yeah, there.
2: it's been tough because we do see each other a lot being so close. I mean, I'm 20 minutes from my parents, 10 minutes from my sister. Uh, we've definitely had some, uh, a lot of FaceTime calls with the kids. Uh, we have, uh, we've had some drive-bys with uh, we we had birthdays for my son, uh, my birthday and my wife's birthday happened in April. Um, my daughter's birthday is next week, so um, there's we've certainly had some uh, social distancing encounters with with the parents, uh, but we want to make sure that we're we're doing the right things and uh, uh, keeping everyone everyone healthy, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been tough on them. And my mom just retired as well. So uh, she re- retired early April. Uh, so she certainly had plans to spend more time with the, the grandkids and she hasn't been able to do that. So I know that she's chomping at the bit to be able to enjoy retirement uh, to the fullest, but uh, it has allowed my dad and and mom to be able to play a little bit more golf than they they normally would have during this time of year since the the pro shop has been closed. So
0: okay.
2: uh, they've gotten out and 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 done that. so that's been nice
0: for them. so yeah we've we've been keeping in touch, but it's not the same. Now that said, uh, what are you most looking forward to when things get back to normal?
2: Giving everybody a big hug <laughs> 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 being able being able to talk. Touch- So i I don't know uh i don't know how long it's going to be until things get back to to normal normal and i don't know if if things ever will get back to the way things used to be Uh, handshakes maybe going by the wayside and uh but yeah it's certainly that being able to just do the day-to-day things that you're just you're able to to go hang out and uh you know, play cards with your friends, uh, things like that, that you just, you haven't had the ability to, to do, uh, during these, these last two months, uh, uh, looking forward to that.
1: You know, Jeff, I do have one question uh, to kind of wrap things up here. And it's, it's kind of awkwardly placed in the interview, but you mentioned it way back at the beginning. And it's something that I'm very curious about each time we have a guest on, who is someone who is is still in their prime and is going to shoot for winning an eagle, chasing eagles, as we call it. Uh, you mentioned that you all are bowling your team event towards the uh, end of this year's run in the middle of November. Is that because you prefer to be uh, t- closer towards the end of the tournament to see what number is on top of the leaderboard? Or is that because that's where everybody's schedule fell?
2: So uh, to be. We do like we don't like to bowl really early because we do like to, to gather as, as much information as we can. But we were we were scheduled to bowl Memorial Day weekend, which isn't at the very end uh-huh. um, typically. So what we what we looked at was really Bill O'Neill's schedule um, because the tour just abruptly got postponed in the, the middle of everything. So we we said, you know, it, it might be best. To go as late as we possibly can in hopes that the tour has been able to complete uh, everything that got postponed and they're able to to do the the playoffs and the the league and uh and everything so that's really why we uh we went towards the the end of the tournament was for for bill's scheduling hopefully it it works out cuz uh he's he's our uh he's our anchor
1: baller. <laughs> he's,
2: he's the guy that's doing it for a living out of all five of us. So we uh we're we're planning on him to take us to that promised land.
1: Okay, that's just an, an interesting part of the strategy. Some guys like to go early and post a big number, some guys like you mentioned like to go late and see what needs to be beaten. Uh so I've all that's always a question I ask that intrigues me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think for us because we we all have a good amount of experience. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter whether you're posting a score, or you're you're shooting at a score. We're going out there, and uh, we're going to work our butts off together. Uh, the communication is paramount in those settings when you're you're looking at transition and what moves you all are making. Uh, so it, it's just you're taking it one ball at a time, and and reading the lanes, and and figuring out where things shake out at the end. So um, whether that's posting a score or chasing a score, it, when you, you have the experience, it's not really looking at that scoreboard. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah, it, it just worked out for the schedules in this case.
1: Okay.
0: All right. Well, Jeff, we appreciate uh, you coming on the show today. Some great stories. Of course, the, the fair family tradition and dedication to the sport. Uh, it will not be the Open Championships without seeing you guys come through. Uh, we're glad we be able to pick some dates for this year. Uh, we'll have a birthday card and a, an almost handshake uh, for Steve yep. when he gets out there. Uh, so we look forward to, to seeing all you guys. We hope everybody uh, stays well and uh, you guys get out there on the golf course together again yep. very soon. Uh, for all those folks at home for joining us, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll be here with the Inside the OC podcast every Tuesday and Thursday live at 2 p.m. Eastern and in the rest of the week. We've got the PWBA podcast on Mondays and Wednesdays and the sport of bowling show on Fridays. And you can find all of that on bowl TV. Again, we appreciate the support. Daniel, thank you for your hard work today as well. And folks, you know, the drill that is the news for now. See you on LA.